213 Things About Me, a podcast about thinking, living and dying, from an autistic point of view. Episode 1. You what? Trigger warning. This podcast contains opinions which might cause discomfort in some people. The ingredients may cause allergic responses in the brains of some listeners. You what? Social isolation is new for most of you but not for everyone. Welcome to a world where the idea of going outside is intimidating and scary, so you don't do it. There is in fact a large subset of the population who have been doing this social distancing thing for years. Really, it should be called anti-social distancing, and two metres has been my preferred distance forever. I thought, here's a chance to explain and assist the regular folk in their moment of adversity. So, This is a podcast for you to hear about and understand social isolation, which others have had to deal with and which can have serious consequences when you don't think it will ever end. It's also about understanding and compassion. It's about being human. 1. I have to mentally prepare for two or three days to go grocery shopping or do the laundry. I'm going to recount a story. It's a true story. I mean, as true as any story can be. Aren't all stories true in some way or another? From Anna Karenina to The Handmaiden's Tale? They're all about truth in one form or another. This one is about a friend of mine, about her life and her death, about how she died and why, but more importantly, it's about how she lived. 2. I jump up and down and clap when I'm happy. 3. I dance and hum when I eat. 4. People refer to me as Spock and Data. Let's call her Rose. It's not her real name, but that's of no consequence. There are multiple roses in the world, all called one thing or another. Every rose is different, unique. Their stories are all different and yet the same. The thing to note is, they are invisible to almost everyone. They merge and disguise themselves very effectively. 5. I don't know how to maintain friendships. 6. I don't like to answer the phone to anyone. 7. I don't like to call anyone. So what is this thing Rose was? 8. I was in my 30s before I learned how to dress like a girl. 9. I love spending all day inside, in perfect seclusion, obsessing about practising an instrument, writing a song doing maths, writing expository essays, reading textbooks, knitting, researching, studying, or practising calligraphy. 10. I have had two jobs in my adult life, both part-time and both less than two years. Rose was autistic. She had Asperger's syndrome, to be precise, and precision is something she desired. She was neurodiverse, so a little explanation is required. Neurodiversity, or ND as it is known, means someone who has different neurological wiring from the general population. We call them, the regular people, NTs. This equals neurotypical. It's our shorthand for regular folk. Now ND people are very different even within the definition, which complicates things a touch. Well, a lot actually. 11. I do maths for fun and comfort the way other people watch television. 12. I can easily forget to eat, sometimes for days in a row. 
13. I give people information thinking that it is useful, but it is hurtful to them. NTs, with their need for sameness, find it hard to define us and even more difficult to understand us. They keep changing the categories and definitions, which is not helpful at all. Broadly speaking, ND encompasses autism, ADHD, bipolar, developmental dyspraxia, dyslexia, epilepsy and Tourette's syndrome, which is a pretty disparate and confusing collection of neurological states. It is not a mental health condition or illness, although many ND people also have parallel mental health issues, often caused by feeling excluded from society or of not fitting in. But in many ways, this not fitting in could be a benefit to the very society which can, and often does, ostracise them. There's the, oh, but you're not really autistic, or the, that's why you're so weird response. Both are profoundly unhelpful. There is, I must say, an almost total lack of empathy for autistic people from the NT world, which is ironic given the standard autists don't feel empathy trope dominating the normal world's definition of autism. Rose has this to say about the empathy irony. In conversation about what it means to be Asperger's, the two traits which are commonly mentioned are a lack of theory of mind, unfortunately often described as a lack of empathy, and a literal understanding of language. Inevitably, theory of mind must be explained to an uninitiated audience. And the most common explanation is that theory of mind is the ability to walk in another person's shoes. (laughs) Has any other Aspie remarked on how hilarious this explanation is? I, of course when thinking about what it might mean to walk in someone else's shoes, imagine myself in someone else's shoes. Which means that I'm still me, with all my history, all my thought processes, but now I'm wearing a pair of very uncomfortable shoes. Which sums up the entire problem rather neatly. Rose was 36 when she died. Too young, many people might say. Not her, though. That isn't something she ever would have said. Like me, she was puzzled by responses like that. It makes no logical sense at all. Once, when she was confused by a friend's grief over the death of his father, because, as she pointed out to him, you never liked him, did you? This did not go down well. Did he, in fact, like him? In which case, he was lying about not liking him. Or did he not like him, but was angry she had reminded him about it? I pointed out that possibly he was grieving for the father he wished he'd had, but didn't, and the loss meant any chance of him becoming the father he wanted was now gone. This explanation made sense to her, although, as she pointed out, wishful thinking only results in disappointment, and is best avoided whenever possible. Rose was special. All people are, of course, special, but mostly in a mundane kind of way. Rose was special in an exclusive way. In that particular way, only damaged people can be. The damage I'm talking about was not so much her ND-ness, but the way it led to her being treated by the world around her. Something many ND people can, and would testify to, if they were only asked. So this is Rose's story, by her, in her words. 
My words are there to help her along and provide some perspective, wider societal commentary, the occasional personal experience and sometimes my point of view. You might be wondering about the title, 213 Things About Me. It's not about me. This is the name Rose gave to a list she wrote of her attributes. It started because after her diagnosis, I suggested she might like to write a list of her positive qualities. It's a more difficult thing than you might imagine. Try it. Try to write a list of your own positive qualities without qualification. I expected her to return with perhaps 10 or so things on a list. She called me late one night over Skype, super excited that she'd completed the task. She liked having tasks to complete. Well, I said. I have a list. I have called it 213 things about me. I laughed. It was so typical of her. Once focused on a task, it became all-consuming. She wrote extensively, almost as extensively as she talked and sung, which was a lot. After Rose died, I was given access to her computer and hard drives and put together this record. An intimate inside look into the mind of an autistic woman, in her own words, with some additions by me and others. 14. I can find myself writing eloquently using complex language without knowing or understanding how I'm able to. 15. I am a very intense person and crave intellectual conversation, analysis and discussion. Operating on a superficial level is draining. I have little interest in popular culture, small talk and socialising. 16. For a long time, I thought a Disability Discrimination Act made it legal and therefore effectively compulsory to discriminate against people with disabilities. NT people respond to things in predictable ways, hence the success of advertising, soap operas, horror movies and political campaigning. They can be easily manipulated. In their way, they are a herd. ND people are, by and large, not susceptible to this particular conditioning and really hate herds. I remember watching E.T. and getting very annoyed when I teared up because E.T. was going to die. I was cross. I was being manipulated. And I had to remind myself that there were 40 hairy technicians standing around eating donuts and scratching their asses while it was being filmed. And anyway, E.T. was only a suit made out of chicken wire and paper mache. That did the trick. The reality of the situation triumphed and I felt much better. Now most NT people are happy to suspend reality in order to be controlled. This often has terrible consequences which we see all around us all the time. Also, I took a long time to learn the value of dishonesty. People ask for your opinion, don't give it, they don't want it. What they want is confirmation of their own value and opinions. I would get into a lot of trouble by giving my opinion when asked for it. Rose on honesty. I'm not honest because it does me any good. I'm honest because it seems logical to be honest. I'm honest because I can't help it. I have this unshakable position that says if everyone has all the information available, then people will make informed decisions. Of course, people don't actually function this way. 
I've had countless run-ins with police and professors in which I know I'm right and that they are breaking the law or teaching incorrect information. And it's absolutely not to my benefit to tell them so. But I do. I don't think it through, I guess. But, But it seems to me that the policeman and the professor have a certain duty. And to my mind, that's what they are. They are their duty. And so in that case, correcting them would be very helpful. I would want to be corrected. I would completely hate being told I was wrong. But it is more important to me to do my job perfectly than it is to have dignity. Oh, and that's another thing. I think that people with principles have dignity. People also say I'm insubordinate. And I really am frequently insubordinate. I'm sure if I had a job, that would be emblazoned on every review. But I don't feel like I'm being insubordinate at all. I mean, if I accept the premise that you are my superior and I am your inferior then there's a cultural protocol which dictates that I refer to your decisions and actions. But if you give conflicting orders, then I have to choose one. If you say, serve the customer, and then also say, clean the dishes, I have to decide which of those things you really want. But I can't decide, because it doesn't make the slightest bit of difference to you which one you choose. So the next logical option is to demonstrate clearly to you that there is a conflict in your orders so you can decide what you actually want and I can get on with doing what you tell me to do. And I realise this is exactly the kind of thinking that gives me a reputation for being insubordinate. But I don't see any way around it. It would be a great deal of intellectual effort for me to imagine what someone else's position is and how any information I might give them might affect them. Sometimes I make that effort, but very rarely, and I never really know when to make the effort, which makes it pointless. This is, in part, why I don't lie. It's not that I'm not physically capable. Obviously, I could open my mouth and string words together that weren't true. But lying is an exercise in knowing what other people want to hear or knowing how they will likely respond to a given sentence. As I have no idea how this works, even if it occurs to me, usually by someone else telling me to lie, I have no idea what to say to create the event I want. So I just resign myself to dealing with whatever the fallout of the truth might be. I will no doubt be a wreck for the rest of my life. In some ways, I'm much better off than a lot of people from my same background. And with the Asperger's thing on top, it's really a miracle that I managed to live at all. I really can't navigate society. In some ways, I'm completely brilliant. 
I can be charming and personable in short doses. I can show up on time. I can complete tasks. I'm honest. I mean well. I work hard. But when it comes down to the nuts and bolts of it, I really can't take care of myself. Foods, housing, clothes, phone. Everything that I need to survive day to day is really difficult for me. I can feed other people and animals if I have that job to do. But I really don't do well with it myself. I don't know what that is or why that is. What that brokenness is. Me neither. But it's there and it's real. Are we broken? I suppose we are in some ways. Let's talk about spectrums. Autism and other ND affairs are called spectrums. It's an interesting word to use because it implies separate but related things, like white light broken into colours based on wavelength, but still all being light. I suppose it's a metaphor. I don't really get them, metaphors. Now I'm talking in this set of podcasts about high-functioning autists, I suppose. There's already a boiling row about all the categorising and labelling and whatnot. I can't be bothered to get into the atomization and rankings of various disabilities. It's contentious. But I went searching for a definition of us. Wikipedia says, The DSM-5 has adopted a dimensional approach to diagnosing disorders that fall underneath the autism spectrum umbrella. The DSM-5 eliminated the four separate diagnoses. Asperger's syndrome, pervasive developmental disorder not otherwise specified, PDDNOS, childhood disintegrative disorder, and autistic disorder, and combined them under the diagnosis of autism spectrum disorder. I read this, but I just keep thinking about how much I want a literal autism spectrum umbrella, with each triangle of cloth a different rainbow colour. It would be so pretty. You see, that's the thing. I think in pictures. Literal pictures. When people used to say in meetings, in which I would be permanently perplexed, about the elephant in the room, I would just see an elephant, or rather I wouldn't, and then said exactly that. Eventually someone explained the metaphor, and I felt foolish for not getting it. Really, it's like getting rid of all the different types of apples and oranges and pineapples, and just calling it all fruit. Yes, it is. But no, it isn't. 17. It doesn't matter how many people in my peer group are willing to go along with an idea. If I don't think it's logical or productive, I am absolutely unwilling to participate. 18. I am always 10 minutes early or I have to call and say I'm going to be late, even if I'm still going to be on time. 19. I've almost been arrested because I was aggressively trying to get the police to reveal the logic behind ticketing me. There's going to be a bunch of episodes to this story. You're living in a lockdown. And guess what? We've been struggling to live in a world not locked down since forever. Autists were only discovered in 1944. Before that, we still existed, of course, but weren't categorised. We were just those quirky people with special interests. We still are. But oddly, a name, a definition, can help one create an identity. It certainly helped Rose, at least initially. 
and then it didn't. 20. I have a bedtime that I like, but I can't seem to adhere to it. Talking of bedtime, it's definitely mine, now. You might be listening in the morning though, and then it wouldn't be bedtime, or in the afternoon. It might be bedtime then, I suppose. But I recorded this at night and finished at bedtime, so my terminology stands. Good night. Written and narrated by Richard Butchins, the voice of Rose, performed by Rosa Hoskins. The voice of Wikipedia is Patrick Nill, who also edited and recorded this podcast. 213 Things About Me is a Think Differently production. This podcast was commissioned by Disability Arts Online, a platform led by disabled people to advance disability arts and culture. If you have found this podcast interesting, please subscribe or comment. We can also be found on Twitter. Twitter.